0: We don't understand everything, obviously, but God is faithful and God is good. Well, what we're dealing with here this morning is the most amazing week in all of human history. When we turn to Luke chapter 19. Luke chapter 19. This is the most amazing week in all of human history. At this time in the life of Jesus... It's the week before Passover, where up near maybe a quarter to a half million people descend on, converge on Jerusalem, where families will end up selecting the little lamb to make as their pet lamb for one week. And at the end of the week, they slit the throat of that little lamb as a sacrifice. And that's all because of what God did back in the book of Exodus in the first original Passover where blood had to be spilled for Israelites to be safe from the spirit of death crossing over Egypt. And so Israel has celebrated the Passover all along. And this Palm Sunday, as we call it, well, seems to have been a happy occasion as a little boy growing up, and going to church probably on Palm Sunday and Easter and not, much, not many other times. But this whole build-up to this week about Jesus, right under the surface of things, was some major tension and drama building. And we tend to, to f- fix our eyes on, on oh, the hosannas and, and everybody excited. And we all like that, you know. We all like a big crowd that's all excited about one thing. Yay! You know, really, isn't that great? But I don't think the multitudes at that first at the triumphal entry really understood what was going on and we're going to look at this passage as it is a as a processional a processional it's the passion week and this processional I believe has three stanzas if you will three musical movements if you will To what's going on. So, there in your outline, you can follow along if you'd like. We're going to look at these processionals together. But let's pray first, okay? Let's pray together. Lord, guide us in this time. Lord, by your Spirit, uh, do your work. Bring about uh, important things for each one of us, Lord. Help us to stay focused on this in this moment. And Lord, um, keep me from saying things that don't really matter. Be glorified, we pray. Thank You for this time. Thank You for Your Word. In Jesus' name, Amen. So, we come to Luke chapter 19, verse 28. After he had said these things, he was going on ahead going up to Jerusalem. Now, there's doesn't seem to be much to this verse. However, if you track along all of all of the gospels, you'll see that there's a big build up. And in Luke particularly, he has mentioned it already. Uh, you don't have to go there, but you can mark it down if you'd like. Luke chapter 9 verse 51, Luke is saying, he's reporting, when the days were approaching for his ascension, he, Christ, was determined to go to Jerusalem. And that's in, in, in step with God's will for his life. Okay? This is God's will. The Father's will. And that word, determined, is very important. It, it takes us back to Isaiah chapter 50, where there's a little phrase that uh, is prophesied, saying, He set His face like flint. Pointing to what the Messiah would have to do. Set His face, determined, like flint, to go to Jerusalem. And this was not going to be a little parade for our Messiah it was for everyone else but not for jesus there was truth behind this processional obviously of him claiming and identifying himself as israel's messiah and that's very important that we that we understand that that we get that but jesus was not just uh saying, hey, I feel like going uh, to Bethany, and then I think I'll maybe go to Jerusalem. There was no random uh, uh, choices in in this. He was set. He was in full control. And so that's letter A. The procession's readiness is seen in the Master in full control. He's... He will accomplish his mission. He came not to be served, but to serve and to what? Give his life a ransom for many. It's the very purpose of why he came. And by the way, he's not only in control, he is on time. Perfectly on time. Galatians chapter four or five and uh, verse four and five says, "But when the fullness of time came, God sent forth His Son, born of a woman, born under the law, so that He might redeem those who were under the law, that He we that we might receive adoption as sons. He came in control and on time. And if you want, do a little study on Daniel chapter nine, prophesying of." exact timing of the Messiah coming. Daniel chapter 9, if you'd like. So, he knew all the details. He knew what was ahead. He knew what was happening. And this is the first time that he has allowed a multitude to act in such a way. Other times he was saying no. No. It's not my time yet. No, don't, no. And they tried to take him and make him king earlier on. And here's the first time he says, okay, here we go. So not only is he in full control, but letter B, the Messiah is on full display. Coming in humble fashion, mounted on the colt of a donkey. According to Zechariah 9, verse 9, it's not mentioned here in this passage, but it's mentioned in other, in in Matthew and in John, in that, in those accounts. So if you, if you have a harmony of the gospels, read this passage. It's, it's, it shows you the buildup. Here's the buildup of this amazing week of history. So he's fulfilling another Old Testament prophecy by calling for the donkey and the colt to be brought to him so he can ride in, not on a white stallion as conqueror, but on a donkey, on a little colt, in humility, in humble fashion, not in power, not in prestige, simply coming, the humble Messiah. And it's his deliberate claim as being king of Israel. He's moving forward to be identified as such, as prophesied. And as many have said, uh, commentators and such, they say, here's deity on a donkey. And what is the world uh, figuring on? The world figures on here's the, the great Roman emperor or the great Greek emperor riding in on the, on the great stallion, not our king. And along with this picture of humility coming in and, and uh, fulfilling prophecy, he comes in and he's welcoming their praises. The, the, the group that's around him right at this moment starts praising him. And he's not saying, stop. A person that knows the law, that knows uh, the, uh, the ways of Judaism says, stop, don't do that, I am not God. And what did Jesus do? He lets it happen. Because He is God. And He rides on. And as He rides on, the crowd quickly multiplies. More and more people start coming out of Jerusalem and and gathering around in front of Him and behind Him. And the praises keep coming. And so, if we're listening to this symphony... Of this processional and all. We just had the introduction. And now the music changes. And now there's great praise. This this music in the background starts building, building, building. You know, you, think of it. You, you watch a good movie. And a good movie has a really good soundtrack. There's something behind this that, that gives you the, oh, something's going to happen and here you know the expressions you know get bigger and bigger and smiles and praise why because of the procession's number 2 the procession's gladness all of a sudden it's like here's the increase of of volume and and it's strong and victorious in its sound and so we see in verse 36 jump there verse 36 as he was going. He's already been placed on the little colt, and he's traveling along. And as he was going, they were spreading their coats on the road. Now, in this passage, it does not mention anything about palm branches, but it's there in other gospel accounts. And so, here we have, um, under number two, the procession's gladness, we have expressions of allegiance. Now, that's important to to understand its allegiance. The crowd is building. They're spreading their coats on the road. And it, this is simply a gesture of their approval, of their um, saying, Hey, yeah, we, oh yeah, we'll submit. And that's the idea of laying coats down in front of the coming king. There's a, the, the idea of submission there. It's the same thing with the, where the throne is placed. The throne is placed up. Why? So that you as a subject would come and, and be down below it. Kneel down and give homage to the king. Well here they're doing this with their coats as the king is coming. And then the palm branches have more a, about a national, uh, idea behind it. The idea of Israel you know, and, and God will um, bring about Israel's f- true freedom and true victory. And that's going to be coming up in a little bit as we carry on in this time. So there's the, these expressions of allegiance. And then verse 37, as soon as he was approaching near the descent of the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of disciples began to praise God joyfully with a loud voice for all the miracles which they had seen. Now that last phrase is important. There's the motive behind what they're really all about. Hey, the miracle maker, here he is. (laughs) Come on, everybody. Let's see what he's going to do next. And so, in letter B, we have expressions of acclamation. The whole crowd began to praise God joyfully. And what they were doing was repeating a passage from Psalm 118. If you want to mark that down, Psalm 118. And there in Psalm 118, verse 25 and 26, it says, O Lord, do save. We beseech you, O Lord, we beseech you. Do send prosperity. Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. We have blessed you from the house of the Lord. So they're, they're quoting scripture as they're crying out these hosannas. Save us, Lord. Save us. And it's still this, uh, behind this idea of here's great gladness and joy as, as the processional continues on. But here's where I think things take a turn. In verse 38, you're saying, well, "Wait a minute! There's this. There's that. There's that quote. Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven, and glory in the highest." It's interesting if you go back and study and look for the term "peace" in the Gospel of Luke. Most all of us know where it first where it first occurs. When the, at the birth of Jesus, you know, the angel declares it, you know, Glory to God in the highest and, and on earth peace to all men. You know, when we had our kids at home, all four of them, you know, like, uh, What do you want for Christmas, Dad? Peace on earth in, in our home. <laughs> So you still have little children at home. That's a good uh, Christmas gift to ask for. <laughs> but I think really what's under the surface of this, we can say it's praise, because it is. It's praise. It's, uh, I don't know how genuine their praise was, but they were quoting Scripture so I offer this and point uh, number C, uh, letter C. The expectations were of autonomy. The expectations were of autonomy. You know, this is not something new. Israel had been under bondage uh, uh, in slavery at uh, various times in their history. And this very moment is no different. They're under Roman authority. And for many, I'm not saying most, but for many Jews, this was the big deal. They had the right scriptures to shout out, but they had the wrong interpretation. This was their understanding of national freedom. because This was the Messiah's job description. He was going to bring us victory. Face it, their hope was their problem. And I think that's something that we all uh, need to evaluate ourselves. What truly is our hope? They were hoping for a conquering king to come and defeat and rout Rome and send them on their way. And it's clear, even a few of the 12 disciples were known as zealots, political zealots. And Rome was the big enemy. Obviously, with this his miracle-making ability, Jesus surely could bring about something, some miracle to kick Rome out. Because basically, that's all they were looking for. That's, that was the surface that they were... Working off of. And when this kind of mindset is the focus and the ongoing central issue of a person's life, well, that's what dominates the person's mind and the person's life. And listen, not that we are God's new nation, we are not God's new nation. We are not the new Israel. God is faithful, we said it at the beginning, and God's still going to work with the remnant of Israel. But we've got our concerns here in our nation, and we get politically hyped up. We want uh, a good, strong America, right? And if we can have that, then everything will be fine. Now... I'm not saying that you are suggesting that, but that's a trend in many people's minds. Just get a good, uh, strong leader in the White House and, and good centers, etc., 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 and good, all that. We'll be fine. Because we're, we're really comfortable in our day, in our, in our lives, in our nation... Now, I still want to em- emphasize the importance of saying get out and vote and be, you know, someone that has, you know, a voice in, in the issues that are at hand. Because there's a lot of things that are unraveling right before our eyes in this country. But see, this is what became the functional savior of the Jews. Just having a, a political conqueror. And so we have to examine our own hearts: Is Jesus really our, our functional savior, our, our working savior, or is he just you know kind of a, a name in our minds? The multitudes here in the gospels had overlooked the fact of it being Passover because they had their focus set on this this Messiah coming into town, and he 's going to save the day, and so they tweaked it into a This is a victory march. We're going to see Rome kicked out, aren't we? So with that in mind, we go to point number three. The procession turns from gladness to sadness. This struck me. We start in verse 39. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to him, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. You know what? The praise that was being lifted up was totally annoying to the Pharisees. They couldn't stand it. Because they knew it was blasphemy to give worship to some guy. Especially this teacher Jesus who we don't like. We want to get rid of him. <laughs> and so letter A under number three, the reaction from the Pharisees. It's the hint of a big problem There's a big problem behind what they're saying. It's not just a comment, a side comment. It's a big problem. They've already made their criticisms of him and his teaching. The Pharisees are calling on him to shut down the praise because it's very clearly praise that's directed to Jesus. That can't be. But Jesus replies in verse 40, If these stop the very stones will cry out. Now, there's different ways to, I guess, interpret this. My understanding of this is that all of creation groans, Romans chapter 8, all of creation groans for the redemption of the children of God. How is that? God's the creator. It's His creation. It's His possession. It's His. The earth is the Lord's. (laughs) You can also check out Psalm 96 that says, Let the heavens be glad. Let the earth rejoice. Let the sea roar and all it contains. Let the field exult and all that is in it. Then all the trees of the forest will shout for joy. You know, the, the creation responds to the Creator. You know, in our study of the book of Jonah, it's interesting... You know, here's Jonah. He gets a word from the Lord and Jonah runs. He goes as far as he can. And here's God's call to the big fish. Go and get him. The fish goes. All of creation. You think, this guy has gone wacko. Hey, spend more time in the Word. Spend more time in the Word of God let the word of god wash over your man-centered type of view of things and ask god to make it into a god-centered, christ-centered, bible-centered world view of how you perceive life okay so that's the reaction from the pharisees letter b the reason for the savior's deep sorrow This is very important here. Verse 41. When he approached Jerusalem, he saw the city and wept over it. Out of nowhere, if you and I are in the processional, out of nowhere, it it kind of slows down and stops and the word spreads. Jesus is up there crying. What? Now, it's important to understand the word in this is not Like the word in John 11 where Jesus wept. Jesus wept in John 11 over Lazarus' death. Jesus wept. That's one word, but here in Luke 19, it's a different word. John 11, he shed some tears. Luke 19, he's sobbing. That's what the word means. He is sobbing, he is wailing. It's like I'm going, what? Huh? Why is he all of a sudden out of nowhere, it seems like. Here's the parade and the processional and the praise, and Jesus is wailing. He's sobbing. He's lamenting as he looks at what? At Jerusalem. And so we keep in mind here in these next three points, here's why he was wailing, why he was sobbing. Letter C, because of the rejection of the terms of peace. The people, the city of Jerusalem rejected the terms of peace. Now, this was not a, a decision right at that moment. He had already, he had already claimed, Jerusalem has rejected me. And now he's just come and here's the, the processional into the, into t- the city and he's reaffirming it. They've rejected his terms of peace. Verse 42, he wailed over the city. He wept over the city. He's sobbing over the city in verse 42 saying, there it's continued, saying, if you had known in this day, even you, the things which make for peace. That was his first concern. They had turned their backs on Him. Actually, maybe more accurately, they turned their hearts away from Him. Luke, in chapter 13, verse 34, says, Jesus says, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones those sent to her, how often I wanted to gather your children together just as a hen gathers her chicks or her brood under her wings and you would not have it. So here he's referring to the peace of God. And every time, you know, um, back when I was in, in junior high and high school, uh, it was a big thing of saying, Oh, peace, man. Peace, man. Does that reveal my age? <laughs> peace, dude. And so our concept of peace was just saying, let's get out of Vietnam and smoke some weed and, and everything will be cool. Peace, baby. And we're missing the point of God's peace. Jesus is referring to the peace that results from being made right with God. In other words, you were once an enemy, right? Romans chapter 5. Being justified by faith, we have what? Peace with God. That's the kind of peace that he's talking about. We were once enemies of God. Now we've been reconciled to God. We have a right relationship with God. Therefore, there's peace with God. And that's what's been missing. That was what was missing from from Israel, and that might be what's missing from your life right here, right now, today. So, they rejected the terms of peace, letter D, they, the, it's the resulting consequences. Verse 43 and 44. For the days will come upon you when your enemies will throw up a barricade around against you and surround you and hem you in on every side, and they will level you to the ground And your children within you. And they will not leave in you one stone upon another because you did not recognize the time of your visitation. So Jesus here is prophesying now. He's given a prophecy saying, here's what's going to happen. Here are the consequences of your rejection. It will bring judgment. And from this moment that He spoke this actually to the people around Him, 40 years or so later, The Roman army comes and levels Jerusalem. Kills about 600,000 Jews and takes the young men off to uh, play in the Roman Colosseum games. This is not something for the lighthearted. There are consequences to rejecting Christ. So, letter E is the reckoning. The reckoning of the time of visitation. They got to reckon with the fact that they missed the time of visitation. And to this day, Israel still has missed the time of visitation. They do not recognize Jesus as the one true Messiah. So here, the processional, if you will, ends on a sad note, a very sad note of unbelief. It's what we see as the Passion Week unfolds. On Sundays, Hosanna. On Friday, what? Crucify Him. So the crowd at one minute is, oh, isn't this wonderful? Hosanna, yeah, let's join in and that's cool. Then Friday comes. They're crying out, crucify Him. We'll take Barabbas. And that's what happens, let's face it, that's what happens in large crowds. We can get carried away, you know, oh, yeah, oh, wow. well, that's good, oh, well, wonderful. That's why we need the discernment and the wisdom from God's word so that we'll be alert as to what's being said, as to what's going on. Listen, Jesus was approaching Jerusalem. What does Jerusalem mean? The city of peace. And Jerusalem had tried to find peace in all sorts of different ways. And when the Messiah came, they rejected Him. said, no, this can't be. This went against the grain of their thinking. Uh, we got to have some, something from religion. I mean, after all, we've got the religion. Judaism. We just need a good, strong political leader or we need money, or whatever. They even tried false gods in the past. But they had no peace. Because no peace could be found because Jesus was not received among them. I hope that you can pull to mind John chapter 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God and the Word was God, and then verse 14, and the Word became and dwelt among us. Well, earlier in John chapter 1, uh, verse 10 and 11, it says that He was in the world, Christ, the Messiah. He was in the world, and the world was made through Him. There's deity. And the world did not know Him. He came to His own. And those who were his own did not receive him. He was despised, Isaiah 53. He was despised and rejected. We did not esteem him. And so, there's Happy Palm Sunday. It's got a layer on top of it that makes it look like everything's pretty cool. Cool. But behind it is tension and drama. So here's how I'd like to wrap it up. Has Christ. Try and block everything out right now, please. Has Christ made his processional into your heart and life? Have you already had the time of visitation? Of His grace and His mercy and His saving way? If not, how will you respond? How will you respond? There, it's not like you can just sit back and say, Oh, I'm, I'm, I don't have to worry about it. Yes, you do. There has to be a response. He is calling for your surrender. Surrender. you and I are to surrender the rule of ourselves. It's almost as if Rome is in charge of my heart until I come to faith in Jesus. You need to surrender to Him all of your rebellion, all of the rejection that you've shown Him and receive His offer of peace with God. You need to surrender to Him as the One who willingly gave Himself. He walked into Jerusalem willingly and gave Himself as the Passover Lamb so that people could be pardoned and cleansed and forgiven of their sins. You need to surrender to Him so that He will be your refuge and shelter from the wrath of God to come. You need to surrender to Him as your one and only Lord and Savior, not just one of many. Please, my friend, don't be like a city like Jerusalem where you put up the pretending facade over your life and pretend that everything's cool, everything's praise, oh, wonderful one. Don't pretend. Don't pretend to be at peace with God when inside you're struggling. Don't pretend that you're joining in on all the adulations of the parade of that day, all excited about what other miracles might Jesus do, shouting out His praises as long as He delivers you from Rome. And by the end of the week, are we like the others there in Jerusalem that reject Him? and call for His crucifixion? Clearly, there's not a third category. You either receive or reject. There's no in-between. You must do it on His terms, not on yours. And the problem is, my friend, that pride always gets in the way. Pride will be what keeps you away from meeting God. And having peace with God. Surrender to Him as Lord and realize His promises are true. Christian, please let's encourage one another about going through this journey called life by... Continuing identifying Jesus for who he really is. Not some made up idea of who he is, but what the Bible says he is, so that we are lifting him up in all of his glory. And, Christian, we are to call to mind the truths of God that Jesus remains in control, and that hasn't changed. That just as as with Jesus, in the midst of major tension and drama, we can know our Savior is in control. I might not feel that. I might not sense that. I know He's in control. I will trust Him. Which leads me to know the peace of God that passes what? All comprehension. So, the three stanzas of The triumphal entry. Readiness. Jesus was ready. The gladness and the sadness. But guess what? Resurrection Sunday is coming. Okay? And be praying for next Sunday that God will work in a mighty way whether we have 20 or whether we have 250 or I don't know, however many. Just pray that God will be glorified in our time next week. Would you please stand with the closing time here? Please stand and and we'll close in prayer. Lord Jesus, we are humbled by the fact that you turned that corner and looked at Jerusalem and and cried your heart out. Lord, we recognize that at one point in our lives uh, that was true of each one of us we were standing just like the city of Jerusalem trying to make a trying to make things look good, acting like we're fine. And Lord, I, I, I pray that by Your Spirit, You would help each one of us here to humble ourselves before You and welcome Your terms of peace and come before You to confess and profess in our, from our hearts that You are Lord and Savior. Lord, thank You for uh, being the, the one true Messiah, the, the, the King. And we thank You that we can even now be singing and praising You and and calling to mind the fact that You will come again as King of kings and Lord of lords. And You will come in triumph and You will come conquering. And we pray, Lord Jesus, uh, come quickly. Lord, help us in pointing other people to You by proclaiming the terms of peace found in the Gospel. And then help us, Lord, to be Christians who truly do continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to You. That's the fruit of lips that give thanks to Your name. Thank You so much for this morning's time. And please help us to respond and apply Your words to our lives. Now may the God of peace who brought up the dead the great shepherd of the sheep through the blood of the eternal covenant even jesus our lord may he equip you in every good thing to do his will working in us that which is pleasing in his sight through jesus christ to whom be the glory forever and ever and everyone said amen Amen. god bless you have a great day you're dismissed